Good evening. <laughs> um, it's an honor, again, to be up here. Um, um, I thank Pastor for the opportunity to be able to speak and give God's word on, and how he's showed it to me. And um, it's just, I'm really thankful that he's able to trust me in that and to be able to give me this opportunity. I don't know what string I am, what as Mr. Petraka was talking about, but probably pretty far down the line. But thankfully, Lord, or uh, Pastor gave me this opportunity. I pray that the Lord would use me through this. Um, we're going to be in James 1 tonight, James 1, and we're going to be starting in 19. Um, I've been going through James in my uh, teen boys Sunday school class, so Kenzie, you're going to be hearing the same thing you heard a couple weeks back, um, a little bit revised, so it won't be completely the same, um, but Lord just kind of was speaking to me about this uh, lesson I brought to the teenage boys, and um, especially from the uh, anniversary days that we just had. Praise the Lord for those, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Paul Perkins preaching to us, and it's a pretty hard example to follow after for being the next service after the anniversary days. I uh, won't be able to follow his footsteps, but I'm, I'm thankful to be able to be up here again. <clears throat> um, first of all, I, I want to I wanna have everybody stand. I want to have everybody stand tonight. All right, you can sit down. <laughs> I heard that a great speaker will move people. <laughs> All right, that was a dad joke because my dad told me it. <laughs> I told him that I would, I would use that because he was like, you got to use this next time you preach. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> uh well, we're in James, James chapter 1, verse 20, or verse 19. We're going to be starting in verse 19. i got to get there myself. It's making too many dad jokes. Um, verse 19 starts off, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'd like to open in prayer tonight. Jesus, <clears throat> thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak and to be able to preach tonight, Lord. I pray that you would just work through my words that you would give me the words to speak tonight, Lord, and that they would honor and glorify you tonight. I pray that you'd be with Pastor as he's taking a vacation, that you would just uh, encourage him, fill his heart, and uh, ready him to, for when he comes back and so that he can preach to us again. Um, I'm thankful for him, and I'm thankful for these anniversary days, and I pray that you would just continue to work in our hearts, Lord, the preaching wouldn't stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, tonight, 
I want to speak about our kind of kind of add on to what uh, Brother Perkins was speaking about on Sunday night. Our relationship with Christ doesn't just happen. It just doesn't come about. It's not something that we can come to church and the Lord's going to just, or we're just going to walk with the Lord, have daily fellowship with Him. It's not just going to happen by us coming to church, by us talking with uh, friends that are Christians and such, by going through the motions and everything. It's not, not going to happen. The same with marriage. It doesn't just accidentally last 50 years. That's, that's not, it comes with work. <clears throat> you don't just meet someone and automatically become best friends with them. Some, some may have the zeal to become an Olympian, let's just say. But if they continue to eat potato chips in their parents' base, basement, gaming it up, let me tell you, it's not going to happen. They're not going to become an Olympian. Now, I know pastor's going to hate this, but I'm going to use a soccer illustration. <laughs> and I know a lot of people, Mike, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll hear it from him when he comes back. I always do. <laughs> But it's just what I experienced when I was younger, and that's this is just a lot of or a big part of my life. When I was in high school, I wanted to become a professional soccer player. That was just my dream to be to be able to be a professional soccer player. I thought it was the best to be able to do something that I love to do, something that I enjoy doing, being able to run and. Uh, kick the ball around and just, I mean, I just really enjoy soccer. I mean, you guys don't understand how much I love soccer. And that's fine because all you guys hate soccer around here, but I love it. And it, it was a huge passion of mine. <clears throat> and I wanted to become a professional. Um, that was, I want to take a side note, that was kind of something that was a downfall of mine during high school years as well, it, something that came above me, and or came between uh, God and I, and it took his place. It was a God in my life, and thank the Lord I'm not a professional soccer player because I wouldn't be in his will. His will is for me to be right here, right now, and preaching right now, and that's what that's what the Lord wants me to do right now. This is my next step, is to is to be here, to be able to fill in for pastor, to be able to serve in this church and uh, do anything that and everything that's that pastor needs me to do. And I just love that. I love helping out in whatever way I can. Amen. Anyway, the point being, I love soccer. I wanted to be the best. That's however, it, whatever it took, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to... And when I started, I was like in seventh grade for high school soccer, and that's actually it was sixth grade. But I wanted to work up to be able to get on varsity. That's the place to be, right? Like, you want to be on varsity soccer. So how do I become the best? How do I get into varsity soccer? That's, that was my question. That's what I wanted to know. That's what I drove myself to do. So I took the appropriate steps to become the best. 
simple enough. Can anyone think of an, what an athlete will do to become better at what he does? Any, anything? Practice? That's training. Does any, anyone help, else have something that's really good, but I want to get something like, what does someone do to, like, when they're eating, they're watching what they eat, their diet, that's something that they, uh, that you focus on, your diet, your exercise, your training, practice, those things are, is what you focus on to become better. So that was, that was my goal. Um, another thing is uh, studying my game. I would, uh, two times a season usually, one time like in the middle of the season, one at the end of the season, I would go to my coach and ask him, hey, what can I do to, like, let's say, for example, on my freshman year, I was on the, I was on JV. I was, I was playing JV, and I did not want to be there. I wanted to play varsity. That was when I was just, like, getting at it and wanting to get on the varsity team. And they just held it in front of me, this varsity spot, because they dressed me for the varsity game, they gave me everything to say, suit up, get ready, sit on the bench. <laughs> sit on the bench. I sat way down on the end of the bench, and they basically just held it in, tant- uh, in front of me, and was like, here you go. I'll sit you on the bench, but I won't, I won't put you on the field yet. And I, the entire freshman year, I played JV all, time, all the whole time, and I sat on the bench the whole year for the varsity games, and I didn't play one minute. And what I asked my coach is, how can I get on the varsity team, basically? And he was like, your, your coachability is amazing. Your a- effort's right where it needs to be. You're here on time. You're always you're a great example to the others. You're just always ready and ready to go. I'm like, okay, what do I need then? And he was like, you're tacticality is lacking. Your touch is on the ball. When you touch the ball, it, you need to have more focus. You need to control the ball in the first touch and to be able to see the game and to be able to um, open your body up and see what's down the field and be ready for what's next. That, so that's what he asked me to work on. Um, so he asked me to work on that. I didn't just say, okay, thanks for the information. I'll just go play basketball in the winter and play club soccer and then just go to the next season and see what happens. No, I took action. I <clears throat> took that action, and I was sick of sitting on the bench for, for my gen- junior year or my freshman year. I was sick of sitting on the bench, and so what I did is I... Uh, one thing is I trained daily, like fall soccer. And then in the wintertime, I, I was in club soccer. I played basketball as well to be able to exercise and keep exercise off the season. And then also played club summertime. But anytime in the summertime when there was no snow on the ground, I took each day and at least took an hour to practice on my ball skills touching the ball, technicality. That's what I did. I took every day that there wasn't snow on the ground, even when I was training for something else, 
or I had a soccer practice for two hours later, <clears throat> I still took an hour and I practiced by myself. I went to the soccer fields. I would do drills. I would do uh, sprints, believe it or not, by myself on the field. I would run around the complex with the ball at my feet. I would, um, I would go to the racquetball courts and I would hit the ball as hard as I could off the wall and try to receive it and get it and to be able to control it right away. I would do all these things <clears throat> for hours and hours. I spent half of my summer on the soccer field in the soccer complex trying to be the best, to become the best. Not only that, I took, uh, I stopped eating soda, or stopped drinking soda. Um, I stopped drinking soda, I think, I don't know, sometime in my freshman year or before that, and I didn't drink soda for until the champion, end of the champion, or after the championship game on my senior year, and then I was like, this is, I'm done with soccer, so I'm going <laughs> to drink soda now. <laughs> and that was just like my, my thing that I did. I knew I was going to fumble with my words. Like yesterday, I was praying, <clears throat> praying for the food for dinner, and I was just like, Lord, please help me to speak smoothly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm praying to ask God to help me speak smoothly, and I'm messing up with that even. <laughs> I just can't get away from it. <laughs> Not even in front of people, besides my wife. <clears throat> All, um, so I stopped, stopped drinking soda. I also uh, watched what I ate, especially during uh, the season when I was playing games. I would really watch what I was eating uh, the day before and the day of my game, and I would um, make for certain that I wasn't eating something that was going to bog me down, eat something that would energize my muscles, some, a lot of carbs, um, protein, something that would energize my muscles and help me to recover from my uh, week of practicing and then go into my game prepared and ready. Those things were essential to be able to help me play the best I could in my games. And all this, I'm going to finish, finish my story like Brother Paul Perkins said, and I'm not going to end halfway through. All this paid off, and in my sophomore year, I started every single game, and I stayed on the field almost the entire game, each game, and <clears throat> with the exception of missing four games because of a broken arm that happened during the season. But I was still able to come back in in the postseason and play the last four games of the season in the championship game as well. Um, so my point being is I wanted to change. So I took the steps to make that change. <clears throat> it takes the same amount of dedication and effort to live for Christ in our daily lives. <clears throat> um. Michael Phelps is a well-known, probably the most well-known athlete and best athlete in the world, um, or he was, and he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. <clears throat> he's won 23 gold medals, I believe, and 28 medals all around. 
Um, in the 2008 uh, Beijing Olympics, which he won eight gold medals straight, that was all he won was gold medals, gold medals, gold medals. <laughs> he had an insane diet and training program. He had, uh, he would eat 12,000 calories each day to be able to help him in his metabolism to be able to train and do all these things. And this is what kind of his diet looked like. His breakfast, he would eat <coughs> three fried egg, uh, fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomato, fried onion, and mayonnaise, two cups of coffee, one five-egg omelet, one bowl of porridge, three slices of sugar-coated French toast, and three chocolate chip pancakes. Lunch, he would eat a half a kilogram of pasta. I don't know what a kilogram is, but I think it's a lot. <laughs> um, that's what it says, though. Two large ham and cheese sandwiches with mayonnaise and white bread and energy drinks that supplied him with another 1,000 calories for lunch. Dinner, he ate another half a kilogram of uh, pasta, an entire pizza, and more energy drinks. He had an insane diet. And do you think he... <laughs> a lot, I mean, it says in here that it is more than an average or prescribed amount of calories for a normal man each day. Four, or, yeah, five times more than a normal man should eat each day. Just absolutely nuts. I don't think he was eating Twinkies on his off time, though. <laughs> he wasn't eating chips. He wasn't eating... I mean, he would eat sweets just to energize himself just a little bit, though, just in uh, moderation. But just, you don't think he ate, he wouldn't drink soda. He wouldn't eat fast food. He wouldn't eat all this junk food. He ate what he needed to eat to become the Olympian that he is and the, the well-known man that he is. So, in, I want to go back to our uh, passage. In verses 19 through 21, first of all, it talks, says, my beloved brethren, talking about the saved. So this is speaking to us as saved people, and I pray and hope that everyone in here is saved tonight. And if you're not, that you would turn to Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior. <clears throat> so it says, my, be my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness. In these verses it's saying to Basically, when it's saying, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, it's saying, get, get your wickedness out of you. Get, put that away from you. It says, lay apart. <clears throat> Take it away from you. We can't eat junk food. Like Michael Phelps, he doesn't eat junk food. We can't eat junk food and expect to be an Olympian. So why do we continue to house sin, pride, lust, fornication in our hearts and lives and expect to be used for God in great ways? 
How many of us tonight want, to, want revival? Say amen. Do you want revival? Seriously, do you want revival in this city, in this church? You want it to come to here? Amen. What makes the difference between having, wanting revival and having it or getting it? Action. It takes action. What action do we need to take? In verse 21, it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, wickedness. The first thing it says, it says, says, be swift to hear. Be swift to hear God's word, the preaching. All that preaching last week, let it not be all for naught. That was some good, solid preaching by Brother Paul Perkins. And I'm so thankful for how he preached and that he preached to us. But let it not be in vain. <clears throat> we need to take action and lay apart filthiness. Two things spoke to me on, last, on Sunday night service and mostly throughout the week as well. Something that I need to work on is prayer. I need to pray more. Pray more um, diligently and not just pray here and there throughout the day, but actually take a time and pray and ask God to and repent for my sin and to move forward and to pray for other people and take a um, devoted amount of time to pray and ask God to work in our lives and pray for revival, to be honest, and fasting as well. That's another thing that the Lord worked on my heart. But another thing that he spoke about was about repenting. And one thing that Brother Paul Perkins uh, spoke about on Sunday night is how there was a group of, uh, a group of people that wanted revival. Um, I don't know where it was, but he was talking about people that wanted revival. And they got together and prayed every night, every, or every week actually, and they prayed every week for revival, and they went years without seeing anything. Nothing happened. <clears throat> Finally, he said on Sunday night, one, one man came up and said, how can we ask for revival until we first be clean, and until we first are clean? We can't re pray for revival until we ourselves get right with God. That's, that's the first step. We can't just, like uh, Mr. Perkins was saying, is you can't just, he was saying that those people prayed and prayed and prayed and they were earnest and they were wanted revival and yet they still had sin in their lives that kept them from having that revival. So what did they, what did they need to do? They needed to repent. Um, in that, also he was speaking of uh, a psalm uh, in Psalm fifty-one, fifteen. I want to turn to that, and that's something that he was referencing um, when he said that. How can we ask for revival until we first be clean? And he said he didn't remember the passage, but I wanted to look it up. 
and I feel like this is what he was talking about. And if it's not, it's what spoke to me and what the Lord wanted me to speak. Psalm 51, 1. It says, and we're going to go through 15. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of, the, of thy render mercies. Mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me throughout thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned, and doth this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest ju be justified when thou speakest, and be clean when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I, sh I will be water, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and uh, gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's a scripture song. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me thy joy and thy salvation, and behold me with thy free spirit. Then will I tr teach transgressions thy ways, <coughs> transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth, and show forth thy praise. <clears throat> this passage is speaking in just of what we were talking about. How he, this, um, the psalmist realized that he needed his transgressions to be removed. He realized that. He needed, he needed forgiveness. He didn't just stop at that, though. He asked for forgiveness. He said, blot out my transgressions. He purged me with hips up and that I may be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He wanted to be cleansed and he wanted to be forgiven. And then... Then revival happened. Then he said, my tongue will sing aloud of thy righteousness and open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Will show forth God's praise. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to know that we need things. Uh, we, we need to know that something needs to be changed in our lives. We need to find out what's keeping us from not going into revival, not having revival, and what the Lord's waiting for, or keeping us from it with. And to repent, and then we'll see revival. <clears throat> I've been to a lot of revival meetings in my life, but I've never seen any revival happen. All the time, throughout my uh, 
um, teenage years. I went through revival meetings. I didn't even really know what revival meant. And I just knew it was a meeting until um, a couple years ago. I knew that revival, that I actually knew what revival meant. I knew that it was like, okay, Lord's meeting with us. But it was really, it doesn't, it, it's not what it actually means with when it says revival meetings. It's talking about revive us again. I haven't seen that in my life yet. I want it. I want to see it. I want to be in it. I want to be used by God in that to be able to uh, be in the middle of all that. I believe that Liberty Baptist can start that in Rapid City, in this state, in this country. Don't you guys? Don't you want to see revival break out? But guess what? We want it all day, but nothing nothing's going to happen until we take action. We can't just... We have to take action. In verse 22 of James uh, 1, it says... Let me get there first. I don't want to get it wrong. In the end of that passage we were looking at, 22, it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We must do it. We must take action. We must hear the preacher, hear from, our, from the Lord, and we can't just sit with that information if we want revival. We can't just sit with that. We can't just say, hey, coach, what... What do you want me to do to get better to go on the varsity team? Oh, do this and that. Be it, get more technical. Lay apart your <clears throat> wickedness. Okay, go along on your merry way and not do anything about it. No, we have to take action, and we have to, we have to lay apart all that wickedness. We have to take action. In <clears throat> Mark two, in Mark two five. Mark 2, 5, uh, 2, yeah. In Mark 2, 5, it's talking about the, the sick of the palsy, the one that Jesus healed, uh, made to walk again. It says in Mark 2, 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to, unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven, or be forgiven thee. Later on, it says in verse 11, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. And immediately he took up his bed. Immediately. I don't know. I just play this out in my mind that this man that was lame, he was being carried by four friends and was lowered down into. this house that uh, Jesus was speaking or preaching from. <clears throat> what amazing faith that man had, first of all, to be able to convince his friends to do that for him, have the faith to do that, the courage, the boldness to be set apart from everyone else and be lift or let down in the from the ceiling. And he had faith that Christ could heal him, but not only heal him, 
from his lameness, but from his sins. And the Lord forgave him from his sins. And that was the first thing he did. But he wasn't there just for that. He wanted to, Lord, Lord knew that he wanted to be healed from his, uh, from his sickness and his, uh, the sick of the palsy. And Lord just told him, arise, take up thy bed and walk. The man didn't just lay down. I'm not going to lay down, but I'm, I'm going to sit down because <clears throat> that would be kind of dramatic. But he was sitting down, or he was laying down, and he said, take up thy bed and walk. The lame man didn't go like, hmm, I wonder if he's really telling the truth here. Um, oh, I, I guess I do feel my legs now. I, I guess I'll, thanks, thanks, Lord. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll be able to go play soccer now. <laughs> no, he, Lord said, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately, he was like, "Woo, Lord, yes, thank you, thank you. You took away my sins and now you helped me to walk again. Now I can go singing and praising you and thanking you for what he's done, what you've done in my life. And I'd bet he didn't just go around and say, oh, the Lord saved or oh, Lord took me from my, my lameness. He didn't just say that. He said, he forgave me from my sin. I can go to heaven now. I can know him forever. I can be with him. Let us take action in the things that we're doing. Stop eating junk food. Get rid of that. Get rid of the wickedness. Eat the right food and exercise and receive the engrafted word. <clears throat> First, or 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the tr word of truth. We need to exercise our faith. We need to study God's word to show ourselves approved unto him. <clears throat> we need to hear. We need to lay apart wickedness. And then we need to take God's word and go and do what he asks us to do. We must receive God's word with meekness and humility. Allow it to work through our <clears throat> rough, hard, prideful hearts by letting it <clears throat> by letting it uh, work through what is wrong, and let us work and uh, love Him. Let us take the steps to change our ways and to go and do. Go out and do. Don't just sit in these lukewarm seats and stay lukewarm. Don't just sit here and take God's word and, don't, and not do anything with it. Christ has saved our souls from hell. Let's act on it and allow him to change us in our lives and our saved lives and serve God completely in our daily lives. Let's pray.